values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, thanks for being here. Happy Friday. Hope you got a great weekend planned as we forge ahead and try to get there. One of the big stories, I think it's been a big story today, has been the battle between Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs and how different how these campaigns have gone. I, I just think that when you start the rhetoric about extremism, it, it happens in a campaign. There's just no way around it. It happens in campaigns. When you look at um, when you look at what's been said and done. It is part of politics. We understand there's something in sales called puffing. When you say this is the greatest product that's ever been made, but, but you know, you can't quote people on it. You're not going to sue somebody because I tried this and it wasn't the most delicious, outstanding thing I ever tasted, but that's what you said in your commercial. Um, it's the creamiest. It's the, all right. But in politics, it's the same way. And you are, you are not embellishing or lying, but you're saying my opponent is wrong. My opponent is going to do the wrong things. My opponent wants to take us in the wrong direction. But when you start labeling people and you start calling them extremists and you start saying things that are in, in not, not even in bad taste, what they are doing are as divisive as anything else on the planet. I think you begin to you begin to get us all in in trouble, and it happens way too often. The Katie Hobbs campaign put out a statement. She talked about the extremism. She said that it's the it's the attacks by Carrie Lake that we know have caused people to behave violently, and all of these other things that have happened. But here's where the problem is: you've got groups of people that are out there that are now getting attention that shouldn't be getting attention. I'm going to mix a couple of topics here. What happened with the statement made by the secretary, former secretary, or the current secretary of state and candidate for governor, Katie Hobbs, that it was the rhetoric of the late campaign and the threats and all these other things that they do, and basically blaming that on the break-in in her office, that just isn't true. And she knows it isn't true, and now she doesn't want to talk about it. But let's talk about behavior. Let's talk about how people behave because I want you to hear a little something else here on this. Um, there's an organization called Lions of Liberty. There's another one that is called Clean Elections USA. And I, I, you know, I want to tell you about that name. Arizona has the Citizens Clean Election Commission, which is a government entity here in the state of Arizona. Clean Elections USA and the Clean Elections Commission have absolutely nothing to do with each other. There is no commonality between the two. And then there is the Ben sent us, referring to Benjamin Franklin and the letters that have been sent. There are some organizations out there that, in my view, are behaving badly. So I want you to hear a part of what the rhetoric is because I, I made this, this statement that the people that are doing this are tainting the candidacy and the campaigns of people on their side of the aisle. And what I mean by that is – and somebody sent me a, test, a message and said, uh, I think these are people that are on the left that are pretending to be on the right to make the right look bad. Is that possible? I guess it is. Either way, it's got to stop. But my point is when you behave like this – you're not helping the cause. You're hurting it. So, of course, when Carrie Lake was in this press conference talking to the media, she was asked about these groups. She was asking about the people that are wearing tactical gear and going to watch ballot boxes. Here's part of what she said. I think that's that's silly. I think it's silly. I'd like to see what, who, who they really are. I'd love to see a picture of their face because I don't like when people cover their face. 
And she's right. She's absolutely right. She goes on. She says this. I don't like masks. I think you should. If you're going to do something like that, you should show your face. Yeah. So you've got people out there one way or the other trying to influence, and that's what happens. It is one thing if you believe people are doing the wrong thing and you want to help. I will tell you, like the guardian angels that came out of New York City, uh, Sliwa was his last name. Um, they started an organization when crime was so high in New York City. They started an organization called uh, called the Guardian Angels, and they wore red berets, and they walked around, and they were kind of the, the – um, neighborhood watch of New York City and they spread out all over the place. Um, the problem is, do you become a vigilante? Are you looking for trouble? That's always the question or are you someone that just is a concerned citizen? M- myself, I don't want to be a hero, but I'm concerned. If I see somebody doing something wrong, if I see somebody preying upon someone else or committing a crime against someone else, I'm likely to intervene. Um, I'm likely to try to stop that from happening if I can. But there's a difference between sending a message. If, if, if I decided I wanted to be a part of a neighborhood watch program or you know i would be in it would be great to walk around with a flashlight let people know that we're we're looking at you when you go by if you're in our neighborhood and we don't recognize you we're writing down license plates we're doing these things who cares the problem becomes when you start wearing tactical gear now it's different and I, I, I use this example to anybody out there that has the ear of these groups of people that are wearing the tactical gear and covering their faces and, and intimidating people. If it was happening to you, you would call it intimidation. And I know you would, and you know you would. If you were showing up to watch ballot boxes and you are standing the required distance away, minding your own business, but focusing on people dropping off one ballot at a time and recording suspicious behavior to make sure if there was anything bad that was happening, you could identify somebody who might have done it. And the police showed up in tactical gear, in in full riot gear, with the face shields and everything else. You would be taking pictures of the police and saying, why are they dressed like that? We aren't threatening anybody. What would be the purpose other than to intimidate us for them dressing like that? And I would say the exact same thing to the ballot watchers. If you're going to go there, why would you what, – what, what message are you sending? This Lions of Liberty organization in Yavapai County have stopped watching. They gave the official stand-down order. I want you to – I want to read who they are. They say this is them. They are self-described as a resolute nucleus of concerned, passionate, conservative patriots based in Prescott. Um, they, they say that the United States, the country, has been hijacked and undermined by global elites, communist, leftist, deep state bureaucrats, and fake news. We will not back down, give up, or apologize for what we must do to win this fight on their website. Well, they did back down. They gave the official stand-down order to stop watching ballot boxes. If you are going to go somewhere in tactical gear, you look like you're looking for a fight. And if you're going to do that, people are going to feel intimidated. Why would you do that? If there is, and, you, and if your attitude is if you've got nothing, if you've done nothing wrong, you have nothing to fear, I would reverse that on you. I'll give you an example. Um, if I am pro-cop, everybody knows I am. I have brother in law enforcement. I am very, very pro-cop. If I get pulled over and a police officer says to me, I want to search your vehicle, and I say, why? And they say, well, if you haven't done anything wrong, if you've got nothing illegal in your car, you've got nothing to worry about. I'm going to tell that officer, absolutely not. You are not searching my vehicle. If you give me a reasonable uh, uh, answer, 
You're looking for a criminal that matches my description. It happened to me once. I got pulled over, and the officer asked, the deputy asked to search my car. This was in Florida. And I asked him why, and he said, we had just had a 7-Eleven robbed, and your vehicle matches the description of the vehicle. I want to eliminate you as a suspect. I said, absolutely, whatever it takes. I'm not going to I'm not going to subject myself to an arbitrary search. But also, if I am pulled up, if I get pulled over, like I always do, if it's at night, I put all my windows down. I put my hands on the steering wheel or on the door frame where the police officer or trooper or deputy can see them. Um, if they approach my vehicle with a gun drawn, I'm going to wonder, why are you being so aggressive? What is it about what I did that made you think you needed to approach me with a gun? That's overkill. That's not necessary. And I'm going to feel offended by that. You're going someplace where you are unnecessarily looking aggressive and you're doing it for a reason. And you should knock it off. And everybody on the, I would say people that are really concerned, the people that watched uh, uh, 2000 Mules and believe that if there's going to be voter fraud, it's going to happen at these ballot drop boxes. You should be the loudest voices that say knock it off. Show your face. Knock it off. I would encourage those people to do exactly that. Coming up in a moment, we get you caught up on the big news stories of the day. We call it Did You Hear This? It's going to happen in just a moment. All right, let's get you started and caught up on the headlines. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Secretary Katie Hobbs was asked about her office burglar yesterday, and this was her response. I'm not talking. It's kind of a big deal, though, that your campaign office was broken into. I think do we, do access we need, do to safe and legal abortion is kind of a big deal, and that's what we're here to talk about. Do you have reason to believe it was politically motivated? We're not going to go not. beyond the statement at this time. What do you think of the situation? Well, I think that that was a huge mistake. I think they jumped the gun by calling it politically motivated and starting this firestorm. They set this ablaze, and then they refused to help put it out. As I said earlier today, if I were Katie Hobbs, she could have defeated this very easily and not given up on the rhetoric. And I don't mean rhetoric in a bad way, but the, she has made the statement in the past that Carrie Lake is too inflammatory, she's too extreme, and that they are motivating people to do the wrong thing and that they shouldn't say the things that they are saying and they shouldn't do the things that they are doing, and that Carrie Lake is too extreme for Arizona. She didn't have to stay off of that narrative. She could have said, I was wrong. I made an assumption based on what's happened in the past, based on things we've seen happening right now, that this could have been politically motivated. It turns out it wasn't. I'm glad that it wasn't. I'm sorry that I said that it might be, and I, I made that mistake, but it, I made an educated guess based on the other things I've seen, but I'm sorry for what happened. But when you do this over and over and over again, and you say to people, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to talk about it, then you make a big statement and you don't want to talk about it, you started the fire. Don't you think you have an obligation to help put it out? At a press conference yesterday, Carrie Lake was asked about her thoughts on the ballot drop box watchers wearing tactical gear and other paraphernalia. I think that's that's silly. I think it's silly. I'd like to see what, who, they're, who they really are. I'd love to see a picture of their face because I don't like when people cover their face. Do you like her response? I do. I think it's fantastic. I think it's when candidates and one of the things that, that you have to give credit to Carrie for is she stands up and she takes the question. So when somebody asked her like I did, I asked her about election denial, she talked about it. When I asked her, should people then, if you believe that 
that there are those that are trying to cheat this election. If you win, why should anybody believe those results? And she said, I want more transparency, not less. That if they want to, after, if I'm declared the winner, if they want to do a hand count to verify, I'm all for it. And I think she made the right statement here. I think it's silly. You should show your face. You want to do something like that? You want to stand out there and watch ballot boxes? We should see who you are. Show your face. I think it was a great way to handle it. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on these big headlines. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen joined CNN and was asked if the economy is in a recession. I don't see signs of a recession in this economy at this point. We have unemployment at a 50-year low. There are two job vacancies for every American who's looking for work. Why does the White House seem to disagree with other economists who say a recession may be looming? Well, let's be honest. She's not lying. She doesn't see signs of a recession because Janet Yellen has put his fingers, put her fingers in her ears and covered her eyes and said, la, 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 la. So she hasn't seen it. But that's not necessarily the way to handle things. I think what they are doing at the White House, instead of making and the huge mistake is instead of acknowledging that they're the American people are hurting and saying you are doing your best to fix it. And here's what we're doing to fix it. When you go out there and tell people everything is fine, all is well, when you say that and it isn't, then you're just considered to either be completely tone deaf or lying and it just makes people angrier. They've got to change the message. The world's richest man, Elon Musk, now owns Twitter and people are wondering what that means for free speech on the app. We know that he's pledged to limit content moderation and emphasis of free speech. What that's going to look like, we just don't know yet. What changes do you think will come to the company? Uh, I think that he's going to allow people to uh, to express themselves, and it's not going to be, I disagree with your political view, so you're pushed down. We know that that happened. They've talked about the algorithms and how things happened in the past. He fired most of the executive staff, so there's going to be a different direction. Now, I will say this. I will be as critical of Elon Musk if they start pushing down the other side of the aisle, like the right side was pushed down a, a little bit. If you're going to put content warnings up about something, you got to do it about everything. And if they go back and do this to the other side as kind of revenge or retribution, I'll criticize them for that. If he's going to allow people to express themselves, whether you agree or disagree, and then you're going to say, but you cannot do this. Let's say it's abusive language or threats. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's got to be abusive language or threats from both sides, not just one. If they do that, it's going to be a great platform form of freedom of speech. People will like it or people will hate it, but at least it'll be fair. All right, that's the Friday edition. It concludes the week of Did You Hear This? Great job this week, Julia. As always, we'll pick it up again on Monday morning. Um, I just, when it comes to Elon Musk, I don't understand. I really don't understand. Um, Maybe it's because it's a generational thing, possibly. Um, I use Twitter as a tool to express myself and to read what other people are saying. It's not where I get my news. It's not where I get a lot of my information from. It's not a source for me. I do on occasion, but it's not somewhere I go. And other people use it for much, much more than I do. So maybe they have reason to be concerned. But the fact is it's a private company. And Elon Musk spent a lot of money buying this company. If he wants to shut it down, he has every right to 
If he wants to fire the executive staff and go in a different direction, he has the right to. So I would say to people that are concerned that your speech will be diminished or pushed down or not made a focus, look what the other side feels like from the time that it's been happening. They they admitted it on Meta on Facebook. They admitted that they made a mistake in pushing down a story at the behest or the request or the suggestion of the FBI, and they shouldn't have done it. So when they get out of the one-sidedness, you can't complain about it being one-sided on the other side. I hope it doesn't happen, but that's the big concern. Is the American dream over? Do, do your children have the same possibility at the American dream that you had? People are concerned. We'll talk about it next. Will your... Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, are you concerned that your children might not have the access to the American dream? I will explain to you why I think that there are, and maybe for different reasons, I have been concerned about this myself with my kids. Um, when I started the, my business out on my own, so my, my path in life uh, and my, my previous life as a contractor, as an electrician, uh, I started in 1985, moved to Arizona in 95, came here, was a journeyman electrician, went to work, became a service manager of a company. Uh, from that business, I went on and partnered with a guy who has since passed away, who was a great mentor to me named Mike. We partnered in a small contracting company together for a few years. A few years later, um, I left. He stayed with that company, and I started my own. So um, I started my own company with a pickup truck and a box full of tools. That was it. Ladder rack and converted and started doing business on my own. And within a short period of time, grew. And because I had had roots in the in the trades and the construction world was going very, very well, there was a lot of work that was out there and the availability to do a lot of really good things. So we had a lot of work. And so my company grew. And when it came time for me to expand my business, I was able to, which I know is a horrible business. Don't send me emails saying what a bad decision it was. I know it was a bad decision in hindsight. I borrowed $50,000 and mortgaged my house. I took another mortgage out of my house, a, a home equity line of credit for $50,000 to expand my business. Um, I don't know that young people with the amount of regulation that there is now and the amount of taxation and what it takes and the hoops you have to jump through, if the people are going to be able to have that story. Now, maybe there will be. I, I hope so. I really hope that there is um, – I will tell you that experience for the years that I was able to have my own business before I went into radio was very satisfying. I liked being able to to run jobs the way I wanted them to be run, to stand behind my work, to stand behind the guys that work for me. Um, I, I wish I had done it differently. I, I Looking back, I wish I had done it differently. But I look now at people that want to start a business, and I look at them and I think I hope they have opportunities like I did, that you'll be able to make your own mistakes like I did. I made horrible mistakes. But I had opportunities to make those mistakes. I hope that those exist because a Gallup poll shows that parents believe that it is going to be harder for their children to live the American dream than it was for them. I want to know why they believe that. Is it the sheer expense of things that are happening right now? I can tell you this. Um, being a student of history, I don't remember how tough it was in the 1970s other than from a child's perspective. I remember gas lines. I remember my parents and other people being furious about how expensive things were. And I do remember that the four years of Jimmy Carter 
Carter brought us Ronald Reagan in a different approach. We recovered as a nation pretty dramatically, fairly quickly in hindsight. And there were years and years and years of prosperity in America that followed. Um, and I believe that's what will happen again. I don't agree with the policies of the Biden administration. I, I think the lack of success shows itself. Now, you can blame it on circumstance and luck. He happened to be the president during the time of post-COVID and supply chain issues and Russian war. And you can say the circumstances in that are, are what has caused these problems. And if you want to live by that, you can. The fact of the matter is it's like being the head coach of a football team that loses its quarterback. You may not win the Super Bowl, but your job is to be as successful as possible. And I don't think that there's anyone, if they're being 100% honest, can say that America right now is as successful as it possibly could be or should be. So with that in mind, I look at the future and I think, okay, how do we turn the corner? What are the things about this poll that make America feel that way? Why do parents feel like their children won't have that opportunity? For me, it is about government involvement. And it is based on a set of circumstances that I've witnessed and has helped that. I mean, it's happened to me. When you have so much regulation and you have so much that you must do, um, it, it, it's non-productive labor. I know it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when it was just me and my ex-wife running our business, there's a lot of stuff that just seems unnecessary. A privilege tax licenses and all this different paperwork you thought. I'll give you an example. As a small business owner, especially if you're a contractor, you, have a, you buy a privilege tax to do business in every city where you work. So if I send one of my guys in a work truck and we make a repair in Mesa, I have, to, I have to know what the tax is for the city of Mesa when I send the customer a bill, and then I have to collect that taxes for the city of Mesa, and I have to mail it to, to Mesa at the end of the month. Sounds fair. Sounds reasonable. They do it in Scottsdale. They do it in Chandler. Every city has a different calculation for their privilege tax. I buy a license every year to do business in your city. I collect your taxes, and I send it to you. The problem is, once you have a privilege tax license in those cities, you're required to file a monthly report whether or not you do business in that city. So my business had been closed down for about two years. About two years I hadn't done any business. And I got a letter from the city of Phoenix saying that I was in big trouble because I had a month where I didn't file my privilege tax license information. And I called them and said, I didn't do any business. They said, you still got to fill out the paper and file it with a zero. Now, I know that sounds like small potatoes. I know that sounds like a small issue. You think about a mom and pop shop like ours was and all that paperwork to say zero. Every single month, it's got to be sent out and mailed out with zeros on it to fulfill a requirement from the cities. It makes no sense. Now, you multiply that times a 1,000 with bigger companies, compliance issues for different things, paperwork you have to do, things you have to fill out, things you're responsible for, stuff you're responsible to buy. How does someone with nothing more than a dream and a tiny bit of money get started? And do it legally. I'm not talking about the people that work under the table and try to save money. I'm talking about to have a legitimate corporation, LLC, whatever you want to call it in Arizona. How do you go out there and get that rolling with the insurances you're required, required to have, the bonding, the requirements of paperwork, and someone that knows how to do that paperwork? It's a nightmare.
It's a nightmare. I understand oversight. What I don't understand is being under someone's thumb, the micromanagement that happens. And those are the things that should be made easier. Here in the state of Arizona, with the tax base, we have come become a lot more business friendly. And the complaints from some that wealthy people are getting tax breaks, it's because wealthy people are paying the majority of the taxes. So they're getting a bigger piece of the pie because they are also supplying that bigger piece of the pie in taxation. If everybody in Arizona is paying a flat tax, that's fair. Sorry, if you're in favor of the sliding scale that says I make $20,000 a year so I don't pay anything and I make $50,000 a year so I pay 2.5% and you make $400,000 a year so you're going to pay 6% because – well, wait a minute. So wait a minute. So I've got to pay 6% on 400000 but you only have to pay 2.5% on 50000 You think that's fair? Absolutely. No, it's not. We all should pay the same percentage like we do in sales taxes. If I go out and buy a $50,000 car and you buy a $10,000 car, we each pay the same percentage. That's fair. And when you start dealing with people fairly and you start telling them they have the opportunity, they have an opportunity to keep more of the money they earn. Because in the end, taxation is the government taking money from you. And a tax cut is not them giving you money. It's them taking less from you. That's the difference. You want to live the American dream, and I think it's something we all should strive for our children to want to do. If we want our children to live the American dream, government has to get out of the way. That doesn't mean we don't have any oversight. That doesn't mean that we don't pay any taxes. What that means is we keep the government as small as possible, and we let the American job creators do what they do. The working public go out and work. Those are the things we should be striving for. I'm going to talk about an interesting interview I did today about this topic, about the American dream. It was pretty interesting. I'll tell you about it in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, we've been talking about it's Friday, so we're going to lighten up a little bit. But I also want to go on a little bit of a serious topic before I close it out. I'm glad I found this story. I put it in the stack of stories I had for a reason. So let's kind of close our week with this conversation. Would you agree? Would we all agree in principle that freedom of speech is the most important thing that we have? And we could tie this into so many topics that we have going on today. Uh, let's talk about the the media thing with, with Carrie Lake and, and the press. I would say, and I think most of you would agree, that having a free press that has the absolute right without risk of persecution or retribution has an absolute right and a responsibility to question the government that they have, both local, state, and nationally, that that press must always have those protections in place. Would you agree? I think most of us would. Do you believe that a responsible journalist tries to be honest and fair and give both sides of a story or at least an accurate side of a story without making it look as if it is a infomercial? I would also say that's true. Uh, I'm not a journalist. I work with a lot of great journalists. It's not an easy job. I will tell you it's not easy. Watching them work, I know that it's not easy. A real journalist wants to inform the public and let you make your decision. They want to give you all the information that's available so you can make an educated decision on what you're reading. They don't want to lie. They don't want to misinform. They don't want to make you lean one way or the other. So they try to give all the information available so that you have a well-rounded look. That's what honest journalists do. And I can tell you, I work with honest journalists. I will defend the, the KTAR newsroom because I don't do that. 
So I have a great respect for what they do. I get to come on here and tell you this is what I think. Here's what I think about this story. Here's what I think about this happening. There is a big difference. And my job's easier, I think. My job's easier. Um, I say that because we're talking about freedom of speech. Let's go to a different part of this. Let's go to the First Amendment itself. This is an NPR story. High school football coach who led prayers on the field will get his job back. Is there anybody else out there that's a little bit outraged? Even if you're not a person of faith, this is not a faith-based conversation for me. This is a United States Constitution, Bill of Rights, First Amendment conversation for me. Um, is anybody else incensed that this guy lost his job in the first place? The, the idea, the separation of church and state conversation is one I love to have. I really do because it's nowhere in the Constitution. I, I defy you. Go find it. As a matter of fact, the opposite. In the First Amendment of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, it says in the First Amendment that Congress shall make no laws um, regarding the establishment of religion or the free practice thereof. The free practice thereof. If a coach – at a public high school that is a government-funded high school, wants to kneel down and pray, wants to roll out a prayer rug, face Mecca and pray. If a coach wants to do that according to his faith or her faith and invite people to join but not require them to join, they have every right to do that. And the Constitution protects it. And there are those people out there that are anti-religion that want it stopped. You can't. So we have all of these free speech people that are saying you have to allow us to say this on a school campus because it's a First Amendment issue. If they can say that, we can say this. And then they are allowed to speak. And then they shout down somebody else's free speech. I don't understand it. The coach's insistence on praying on the football fields after games cost him his spot on the sideline. The Supreme Court's victorious victory on religious freedom grounds. Now Joseph Kennedy will return to the position he lost in 2015. He will be reinstated to his previous position as assistant coach on the Bremerton High School football team before the March 15th, 2023, um, on or before March 15th of 2023. This is the part of the First Amendment that if you're truly a champion for the First Amendment and free speech, then you are there defending this, especially the speech you hate. I've talked about this on so many occasions with and about people. There is a reason why if you go online and you try to buy tickets to see um, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, it's sold out and tickets, I guess, are well over $1,000. There's a reason why. Because stand-up comedy is going to save freedom of speech in this country. Ricky Gervais is a brilliant comedian. But what he does is go after the hearts of people that are being hypocrites. And many of them are very important people in Hollywood. They don't like it when you make fun of them. But if you listen to Ricky Gervais, there are times you're going to laugh and say, I can't believe he said that. And there are going to be times that you're offended and say, I can't believe he said that. But defending his right to say it is what's most important. And what's funny about him is if you go on Twitter... Ricky Gervais defends people that hate his guts and their right to hate him. Same with Dave Chappelle. Same with people that are in this world. If we are truly going to stand together and say this, we're not going to regulate things because we don't like what people say. I, I don't – I'll be honest. I don't understand it. I don't understand how we as a society are going to say that's free speech. I have a right to say it. But those people need to be quiet and not say that. 
I, I know it's uh, it, it's it's uh, kind of a heavy topic for a Friday, but think about the things and the, uh, the people you want to silence. They shouldn't be allowed to say those things. What do you mean they shouldn't be allowed to say it? What happens when somebody that is opposite you says you shouldn't be allowed to say what you're saying and they're in a position of authority? The corner of our of our government the, is, is that freedom of speech issue, freedom of the press and the freedom of expression. You have a right to assemble. You have the right to practice your religion any way you see fit or not practice a religion if you don't want to. These are cornerstones of who we are. And when you start hearing people say dangerous speech, hate speech, your words are dangerous, that could lead to something. They're going to say something and it's going to motivate someone to do something wrong. No, it isn't. I'm sorry. No, it isn't. You can you can tell people they're wrong. Making everybody that disagrees with you out to be dangerous is unfair. Calling people dangerous all the time is so exhausting. It's not dangerous. It's different than your thoughts. Just come up with a come up with a rebuttal. You know, and, and so the reason why I talked about it is I was shocked that this coach lost his job in the first place. It's pretty clear what the First Amendment says. And by the way, if anybody wants to have that conversation, I would like to have it about the First Amendment and the freedom of religion and the separation of church and straight state. It's one of my favorite conversations to have. At Broomhead KTAR on Twitter is where you can find my personal account. I, at Broomhead Show updates you on happenings on the show. What we're doing next and guests we're going to have on. And Mike Broomhead, all one word, um, is where you find me on Instagram. Let's keep in touch this weekend. We'll be back on Monday morning like we always are, just a little bit after 8. And we'll start the shows all over again for next week. I hope you got a great weekend planned. I'm going to relax and try to do absolutely nothing. I'll let you know if I'm successful on Monday. Until then, have a great weekend. God bless.